and for you in case you were feeling left out. It is such a privilege to be able to share encouragement from God's Word. I'm going, I get to share parts of the life of Abraham this week and next week. Uh, I connect quite intensely with some of the things that he experienced. I connect with Abraham today uh, because of how many different houses I have lived in. When Kelly and I celebrated our 10th wedding anniversary, we were in our ninth house. That was quite a few moves. Um, being able to find a home, Kelly had quite the nesting instinct and about every six months I would come home and she would have moved all of the furniture, including the piano and the hide-a-bed and things that were not necessarily very easy to move around, but um, making the space our space. When I was in college, I had the privilege of spending a year in Indonesia. I was a student missionary there. And I can remember sitting at the breakfast table one morning and Jim, one of the student missionaries that I was with said, you know, I would kill for a jar of peanut butter. We had not seen peanut butter in a long time. Um, and little things that help to make us feel at home and how easy it is for us to get knocked out of where our settled place is. And so we're asking some questions from Abraham's story today is how can we be rooted when we've been unrooted? How can we be settled when life is so unsettling? I'm going to take us right to the answer to that question, and then we'll look at the question a little bit more. But because the answer to that question comes in the Scripture that we shared. John 14 where Jesus promises that through his Father's faithfulness that they will seek us out and make their home with us. So that's where we're going to end up today. So keep that in mind as we're asking these questions. To me, the answer is, well, we're at home wherever God is, where he's made our home, where he's made his home is where our home will be. So Abraham, we're going to be in Genesis, beginning with chapter 12. I hope you have Bibles with you. We pick up this story in verse 1 where Yahweh comes to Abram and says to him, go from your country, your people, 
your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as Yahweh had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. I'm impressed, first of all, that God showed up with Abraham. His name had not yet been changed. He was still Abram. That comes a little bit later in the story. But God appears and tells Abram, okay, let's get going. And in the story, Abram says, okay, let's go. He just picks up and goes. Some of you may have found yourself here in this area because God had conversations with you. Maybe not as dramatically as it appears in Abraham's story, but you are very clear that God has been directing in where you are. Kelly and I showed up in this area because we believed very much that God was calling her in education. And so when she received that invitation to be on the School of Nursing staff at Loma Linda University, it was like, we have to do this. This is God's calling. One of the first things that I'm seeing in Abraham's life is that God is present and taking initiative and Abraham is paying attention. So as this graphic shows, Abraham's retirement years changed quite dramatically, didn't they? He was 75 when God comes to him. That's 12 more years than I have in my life. To be willing to be uprooted as Abraham was is pretty phenomenal. It's in Hebrews 11 that we read about Abraham's experience. And it says this in Hebrews 11:9. It says, by faith Abraham made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob who were heirs with him of the same promise. Then it goes on to say how he was, he was looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. So Abraham lived in this tension of being told that he's going to have a new home, and yet he goes and he lives as a stranger. How, how do we reconcile this tension? Some of you may be living with that tension right now. knowing that you are living the life that God has outlined and yet there are things that have slammed against you, some of you, that has turned worlds upside down. I come back to where Abram's story begins is that one of the ways in which I have maintained rootedness is to be continually listening to God's voice. 
to be listening for his voice, to be taking initiative on my part so that my habits make it as easy as possible to connect with God. And we find in chapter 12, it's only a few verses further in, in verses 7 and 8, that as Abraham is coming into Canaan, the first things that he is doing is erecting altars. So it's interesting to me that the altars that Abraham's building are going to be there. He is intense. So his home is coming and going, and yet he's building an altar which remains. A little later in the story, as he is leaving to go to Egypt, in the middle of chapter 12, we find that a famine comes, and Abraham goes to Egypt for sustenance and safety and a network where he and his family can be taken care of. We find another dynamic, though, in the story that not only is God taking an initiative with Abraham, but even in God's initiative, it's really easy for us as human beings to feel like everything is up to us. Now, whether it was intentional or not, it's not exactly clear in the story, but in the section about going to Egypt, there's no mention of God having dialogue with Abraham. In fact, Abraham gets into trouble because he's asking his wife to not tell the whole truth. He says, you know, Sarah, maybe perhaps you could just say that you're my sister and it would save my life if you'd be willing to do this. Abraham gets into real trouble because he begins to feel like he has to manipulate the situation in order for things to come out okay. There appears to be a lack of trust in God as Abraham is saying, I have to fix this myself. Next week, we'll see again where that's a fairly central part of human nature for us to want to try and fix things ourselves. And it's not that initiative is bad. Absolutely not. But when we take the weight of responsibility of the outcome all on us, then we're forgetting who our sovereign God is. It's ironic in the story as chapter 12 is ending that is, it is this pagan pharaoh that is teaching Abraham about ethics and integrity. Abram comes back to Canaan. He returns to the place where his altars are. But God has been faithful in his promises and Lot and Abraham are increasing in their wealth and their wealth shows up in their animals. They are herdsmen. And it's becoming a challenge for Abraham and his servant and Lot and his servants and all of their animals together that in 
as there are more and more of them, the frictions increase. You may not have noticed that when people come together, uh, frictions can easily develop. Even in church. But I commend Abraham for not being willing to perpetuate those frictions, but he's looking for solutions to that. And he is, he is looking for a way in which to maintain community. One of his solutions is to offer Lot a choice about where to live. And so we find that as we're continuing in the story where Lot is given a choice and Lot looks out over the land and Genesis records that the plain of Jordan was just like God's garden. I confess that since I love growing things, I would have been very attracted to that area as well. But in Lot's choice, Abraham's promise with God is confirmed because Abram is left with Canaan, and this is where he is. Chapter 14 ends up showing some more challenges that Lot's choice brought him. We're going to kind of skip over that because it's not central to the point that I'm wanting to draw from Abram's story. But there is a fourth dynamic that I see in chapter 15. God comes back to Abraham and reminds Abraham that he is not forgotten. That not only is he going to have a place to call his own, but he is going to have a people that will carry his name. And Abram is doubtful about God's picture of his future because Abram does not see a way through this. But God reminds Abram that his heirs will not be through his servant Eliezer, who he had thought might be the case. God tells Abram in verse seven of chapter 15, I am Yahweh who brought you out of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of. It goes on to say that Yahweh says, know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own and they will be enslaved and mistreated. But in the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here. And the chapter ends with God saying, to your descendants I give this land from the wadis of Egypt to the great river Euphrates. One of the things that strikes me in this passage runs against the grain of what it is to be human because God has a long view with Abraham. God's promise is looking forward over 400 years. In fact, we realize that as 
God is giving Abraham covenant promises that it's going all the way to Jesus Messiah. And beyond that, to the promised land. So the book of Hebrews begins to connect Abraham's sojourn with the sojourn that we are on. One of the dynamics of this congregation that I tremendously value is the diversity of backgrounds that are represented here. That so many of us have come from other places and other cultures and other languages. That this diversity of the experience is finding a way to, to make a church home together. And this movement gives us all something to identify with Abram about. We, we know what it is to leave and to come and arrive. And some of us have faced other kinds of transitions through health, through losses in death, through job or relational transitions that have turned lives upside down. And, and we went so much for God to fix it right now. And yet, the surety of God's promise to Abraham comes in knowing that, yes, this will happen, but Abraham is not going to see it himself completely fulfilled. When we live in this environment of movement, it seems that Abraham's story is asking us not only to look for ways in which we are finding answers to this question of how do we remain rooted in situations of uprootedness, but how can we be the solution? How can we help to create space where people can feel rooted? When we look at some of the numbers of people that are being processed, we find over a million people are granted permanent resident status. There's an estimated 11 million undocumented immigrants living in the United States right now. At the Mexican border, I was reading that in the month of June of 2021, so just two months ago, there were 19,000 unaccompanied children that showed up to the U.S.-Mexico border just in one month. And this is just one border, just one border. When you look at other places in the world where either because of weather or because of war, where there have been tremendous migrations. When you look at the refugee population around the world, 
the story of Abraham having a home is not an irrelevant story because millions of people are hungry for God to fulfill this for them too. We are so, so blessed to have a climate-controlled space where we feel safe, even with the anxiety of masks and growing COVID numbers. There's huge blessing in what we have. You look at the homeless population of San Bernardino County where close to 3,000 people, if you look at the figures over the last three years, it's been fortunate that the numbers are actually going down just slightly over the last several years. But this is something that we are trusting that our community center will have relevance for as we look for ways of being answers. But this idea of waiting for God's promise is not something that is new to Seventh-day Adventism. We have a heritage of anticipating the soon coming of Jesus, that he is coming again. This Adventist part of us is there's a promise that we know that God is going to fulfill, and yet we look at generation after generation that is going to their graves without seeing this promise fulfilled. And we're now experiencing this tension. How do we live rooted? And how, to what extent should we be rooted if, this, if we're just all poor wayfaring strangers? So this is part of our identity, that, that we have our feet here on this world here, but we are waiting also like Abraham was for a city whose builder and maker was God. So this is the tension that is alive in this space where we are eager for something more and yet we know that God's promise is sure already for us. This is about what Azure Hills is, that we are a community of faith. That we can identify with the hunger for home. And it is my desire, being on the pastoral staff here, that Azure Hills be a church home for you, that you feel at home as you walk in these doors. That like Fred Pratt Green in his hymn that is in the Seventh-day Adventist Church hymnal is, what joy it is to worship here and find ourselves at home. It is appropriate that we feel at home even while our mission and ministry is that all nations would hear the praise of our God. 
I was reading through Psalm 96 this week, and that psalm especially, I think, speaks to what our purpose is. You can find our purpose in Matthew 24, this, this going and telling and demonstrate God's praise and glory. But I asked the question for you, what is it that makes Azure Hills feel home for you? What is necessary? Maybe you haven't found that yet, and there's something that is a missing component that would be needed for you to be at home, or maybe you have found it. I'd be interested if you would communicate. We're going to have a slide here that shows where you can text a communication. 909-277-7740. If you would consider the question of what do you need for Azure Hills to feel like home? Maybe a word, a phrase. I was asking some people about this earlier this week, and I was getting responses like, well, if they know what I'm going through, if I know that somebody else knows what I'm going through, then that is an important part. If they have my back, if, if I feel I'm missed. If you text those, I'll be able to see what is coming through here. Let's see what some of your responses are. Being involved, having biblical instruction and putting that at work, potlucks. <laughs> I miss potlucks. I, I have a mask that says I miss potlucks on it. Um, <laughs> I agree. Friends, food, sense of belonging. Everyone knows my name. Being feeling feeling needed. That the church culture reflects Jesus' culture, love. That it feels safe, that there's community, kindness. Somebody was listening to Pastor Gotra's story this morning. That's good. Be accepted in love. Thank you. I'm going to be making record of those, so you can go ahead and keep texting if, you, if, if you're not finished. I would suggest that when it comes to being rooted while we're uprooted, that there are things that we are looking for that are many times fulfilled when we become an answer to that for someone else. So I can find my place in community when I have reached out and made someone else feel important. I remember so visit vividly when I was fairly new to this congregation and I got a text message and, 
It just said, would you please pray for me right now? That's all it said. But for me, that was a window of vulnerability that drew me in. Somebody else saying, would you please pray? A really simple thing to do. But it helped to connect me as I was making Azure Hills home. We each have choices about where our focus is going to be, about how we are going to integrate God's initiative in our life. We have choices when stress comes about, are we going to forget that God's in charge and take over ourselves? Are we going to continue to filter our initiative through God's initiative? When there are those inevitable stresses that come from people and situations, do we have a determination to navigate through them? And are we willing to live with God's long view? Abraham's story has challenged me because I've realized that there are so many things in my life that are paralleling the dynamics that Abraham was living with. That I have the privilege of continuing Abraham's story on because the New Testament is very clear that we are each part of Abraham's heritage, that we are all children of his. So we can continue to demonstrate this to continue to demonstrate that faith, to continue to be rooted in Jesus Christ, that we will be looking for where God is making his home so that that can be our home also.